saying no to me is the liberating process of letting go. So kind of like I just said about letting go of potential futures, now let's get more concrete about this. It means that you can let go of old goals, like make peace with the fact that you're never going to learn Mandarin, or you're never going to hike the entire Appalachian Trail, or you're never going to turn that little business idea into an actual business, right? To me, this is like taking off a huge heavy backpack of stuff you didn't need. You know that feeling when you've been holding a backpack for the longest time or a suitcase or whatever, and you put it down and you just like, ah, oh my God, you just like stretch, you just almost, you know, bounce on your toes. You just want to sprint since you're suddenly so much lighter. So to me, doing this makes me realize how little it takes to be happy and how much that load of expectations was holding me down. Derek Sivers is many things. He's been a musician, producer, circus performer, entrepreneur, TED speaker, book publisher. He started and sold the company CD Baby for millions of dollars and then gave much of it away. He's lived in different places around the world, often for a year at a time, He loves New Zealand, which is also my favorite country. And he's often known for being the guy who coined the phrase, if it's not a hell yes, it's a no. That's a phrase that's been especially helpful to me. I'm one of those people who wants to do a ton of things in one day, so much that I stack things on top of one and the other, and I often get overwhelmed, which causes frustration. You know the drill. So being more deciphering about what I say yes to and what I say no to, that's given me a lot more joy. I've been wanting to interview Derek for forever. He's philosophical and his voice is really calming. And this podcast goes over everything from how to say no better to how saying no actually frees you up to say yes to the things that matter. We also get into minimalism and what brings Derek joy. We recorded this episode in April in quarantine, but even as we get back to a new normal, this message is more important than ever. Enjoy. Derek Sivers, welcome to Vitamin Joy. I so appreciate you being here with me virtually. Thanks, Shelby. And hey, right before we hit record, audience, we were uh, talking about the smell of surfboard wax because she showed me her boards behind her. So I, I am now kind of like in San Diego in my mind, even though I'm in foggy Oxford, England in reality. Well, one day we'll have to make that a reality. I would love that. Yeah. So you're... If it's not a hell yes, it's a no has been really impactful for me in my life. And saying no is just so hard for so many people, including me. How can we be better at it? Hmm. I think to get clarity on any subject, it's helpful to imagine the extremes, right? Like if you're never sure where you stand on something, just imagine taking it all the way one way or all the way the other way, and just see how those two scenarios feel, right? So if you imagine two extremes around saying no, then first, I guess you'd imagine yourself saying yes to everything, right? Like you attend everything, you go everywhere, you meet everyone, you read and you hear and you watch everything, which means you're probably pulled a hundred different directions. And every minute of every day is filled with obligations. 
At best, you'd probably be able to give each of them a minute or two of your time. Okay, so if you imagine the other extreme, which is saying no to everything, then imagine yourself with no obligations, just doing whatever you want, and you have all the time in the world. So personally, I think saying no sounds more like joy. So now imagine that saying no is your default state. You're free and you have lots of time and energy. So then imagine that something comes along that's worth saying yes to, like a great opportunity plops in your lap. So now because you've said no to everything else, you can throw yourself completely into this one thing. You can do an amazing job. You can learn and grow and you can rise to the heights of achievement, acclaim and fulfillment because you said no to everything else. So to me, when I picture those two extremes and picture that scenario, then saying no is really damn easy. This feels like a meditation. <laughs> I already feel <laughs> more relaxed. Imagine this. Imagine yourself. Yes. No, I, I, I so appreciate it. I, I mean, that's just something so hard for me. Derek, is there any specific examples in your life right now that you're saying no to and has just freed up so much stuff for you right now? Goals. Uh, I have been saying no to potential futures. Um, part of it's because of where we're at. So we are talking now in April, 2020. And up until two months ago, I had a lot of travel plans. <laughs> and as of now, I have none. So I've had to let go of a bunch of plans, which letting go is kind of like saying no, right? Like anytime somebody's presenting you with a situation like, hey, Shelby, can you come to this event? Or hey, Shelby, can you do this thing? Or hey, Shelby, can you help me with this? In your mind, you play out these scenarios. Like you kind of imagine yourself doing that and you have to make your peace with that potential future not happening, right? Yep. So uh, that's what I've been, I've been saying no to uh, potential futures lately. Gosh, I think a lot of us have. That's really helpful. Is, is there a way to make it easier? Like one is you've just explained why saying no can add so much more joy, but if it's still hard, are there some things that you do that just make it easier to say no? Oh, like concretely? Yeah. Yes. Uh, make a little form letter. Um, I have a, like a, it's only like six sentences, but... I put maybe 15 or 20 minutes of thinking and diplomatic wording into my six sentence refusal. And I just keep it in a little text document nearby and, you know, a handful of times a day in email, I just control C, alt tab, control V, boop, there we go. I just said no. And I know that it's well-written and respectful and and a few people have actually replied saying, that is the nicest refusal I've ever gotten. <laughs> and it's like, so now instead of having to, you know, wrench my soul and come up with the words every time, I can just, you know, copy and paste. And there's my nicely written refusal. So that helps. So you put some time and thought into creating a no that's kind. I think that's pretty big. Yeah. And that, that sounds like a good key. Yeah. And it's, 
I make it about them, not me. You know, like I, uh, I'd say that's, I really appreciate it. And I appreciate you thinking of me for this. And I wish I could say yes right now. And I, I give a little context. I say, look, I'm just at a time in my life where I've just, in order to get my book finished, I'm just saying yes to this one thing and having to say no to everything else. So please take no offense, nothing to do with you. Uh, and don't take this as a forever no, you know, in half a year or a year, my answer might be yes, if you don't mind asking me again, if it still comes up. And, you know, I just, I, it says that kind of stuff. So I feel good about copy pasting it to anybody. I just love how saying no can add so much more joy to your life. This is so cool. Yeah. Okay. So, all right. We're on the theme of vitamin joy. Yes. So saying no to me is the liberating process of letting go. So kind of like I just said about letting go of potential futures. Now let's get more concrete about this. It means that you can let go of old goals, like make peace with the fact that you're never going to learn Mandarin or you're never going to hike the entire Appalachian trail, or you're never going to turn that little business idea into an actual business. Right. And then you can even let go of the little plans like meeting up with that person you can't ever seem to coordinate with. Just let it go. <laughs> or watching that movie everyone says is great. Or, or even writing a song. If you're like, I want to write a song someday. Even these little things, if you let them go, if you let go of absolutely all of these expectations, it's freeing. It's liberating. And then you can just assume that they'll never happen and make your peace with that. Like, just imagine a Shelby future where you don't do any of those things. And are you still happy? Yeah, you're still happy. So to me, this is like taking off a huge heavy backpack of stuff you didn't need. You know that feeling when you've been holding a backpack for the longest time or a suitcase or whatever, and you put it down and you just like, ah, oh my God, you just like stretch, you just almost, you know, bounce on your toes. You just want to sprint since you're suddenly so much lighter. So to me doing this, makes me realize how little it takes to be happy and how much that load of expectations was holding me down. Oh, so you're a master at, at minimalism as well then. So, so not like, I, I understand that feeling when you throw the backpack down. Like I love just getting rid of physical stuff. Like I love the act of minimalism and it seems like, you know, minimalism has always been part of your philosophy <laughs> physically and philosophically. So any advice on just how you can help others or help even me cultivate a more minimalist, minimalistic lifestyle because it seems like it's brought you a lot of joy. Uh, well, one thing you can do is, um, <laughs> no, I was going to say you could, you could do what I do, which is, uh, or what I did. I was not always a minimalist. It was actually when I moved house like five times in two years and you do that a few times and you unpack the, the U-Haul and you repack the U-Haul and you unpack the U-Haul and you repack the U-Haul. And after doing that a few times, I was just like, all right, I got to get rid of this stuff. I get that. Yes. But you know, I could give some kind of BS answer like that, where I tell your audience, like, okay, what you need to do is ask if this thing, what is it, sparks joy. But come on, we've all heard that. So here's what I think. I think you need to go through 
the pain process yourself. Meaning, like, you have to feel the pain of having too much stuff. You have to feel the pain of of having too many apps on your phone or too many browser tabs open. And you need to feel the pain of having too many obligations and having too many plans, right? So sometimes advice is kind of worthless because people actually need to feel the pain before they make the change, right? Yeah. So just because I'm feeling mischievous today, I'm going to give the opposite advice. I'm going to say... My advice to help others cultivate a minimalistic lifestyle is to go shopping. (laughs) Go read Wirecutter and buy everything they recommend. And then go read the book called A Thousand Places You Must See Before You Die and take it to heart. And then listen to Shelby's Wild Ideas Worth Living podcast. (laughs) After each guest say, I'm going to do that too. And then, only then, will you feel the incredible overwhelm and you'll have a mental snap and you'll let it all go. FOMO. It'll also create FOMO if you do all of that. Right. Yeah. Oh, okay. So what are some things that you've just gotten rid of that have added joy just physically in your life? I'm going to give you a slightly deeper answer than you're expecting. Um, I defined myself as a musician for, well, ever since I was 14. Since I was 14, it was such an intense passion in my life that all I wanted for the next 15 years was nothing. I was a monomaniacal, ambitious musician. I wanted nothing else than to be a successful musician from 15 through 29. When I was 29, I accidentally started CD Baby and I poured myself into that for the next 10 years, but I still defined myself as a musician even though I wasn't actually actively making music, but you know, there's no such thing as an ex-musician. So then now 10 years has passed and I sell CD Baby and now I'm free and retired or whatever you want to call it. And I'm still not making music, but I have my guitar and every now and then I pick it up and play a few notes, but I tell myself, you know what, now that I have the time, I'm going to record an album full of songs. I just got to put aside the time to do it. But then another 10 years passes and I still haven't done it. But then I moved here to England last year and I'm like, okay, I'm living here now. I'm going to set up a recording studio in this spare room in my house. So I get some new musical equipment and I get the speakers and this, and I get a new synthesizer that has like a billion sounds on it. I'm like, all right, I'm going to make a record. But first, I'm just going to answer these emails. And in fact, I have to finish my book first. I got to do this other stuff. But then I'm going to make a record. And Shelby, every single day that those two guitars were on my wall and this keyboard was in, in my line of eyesight, every single day, like my soul was conflicted. Every single day, I would look at that musical equipment and go, I want to do that. I got to do that. But it's just like third priority after finishing my book and, you know, exercising or something. So, but I will get to that. I really want to. And after about nine months, I was writing in my journal about it. Like, okay, when am I going to record my, I really need to start putting aside like at least two hours a day just to work on music. And then I noticed that my first thought was like, oh, but that's two hours a day I could be spending on my book. And I was like, you know what? Why don't I just listen 
for once <laughs> to whatever that thing is in my gut that's clearly telling me I don't want to do this. I say I want to do it. But in fact, like if you look at my actions, I think actions are in looking at your past actions is a better indicator of values than listening to your past words. So mm. I took my two guitars and my speakers and my synthesizer, and I called up a friend of mine here in Oxford that's a full-time professional musician. And I was like, Mark, how'd you like to have my guitars? <gasps> no way, dude, are you serious? That Fender? Yep. You want it? Hell yeah, man. And I said, and do you want this Native Instruments 88 key keyboard? He goes, holy shit, I was just about to buy one of those myself. I was like, well, no need to now. It's yours. And he was so thrilled and he uses it every single day. He's so happy. And I thought I was going to have a period of mourning after giving my music away. But instead, it actually, that's what made me think of the backpack metaphor. It's like, I put everything in the car. I brought it over to his house. I came home and I was just like, whew, man, what a load off. <laughs> like no more conflicted soul, you know, no more every day thinking I should be doing that, but I want to do this or I need to do that, even though I'm not. It's just, I think letting go of goals is one of the most liberating things I've ever done. Well, it sounds like even identity is like I've been identifying as a surfer for so long and actually having the beach closed for the last month. It sounds crazy, but it's, it's just, it's almost been freeing because if the waves are good, I feel all this stress to have to go out and surf, but I'm starting a podcast and a podcast business where I teach other people how to actually monetize and grow their shows. And I got to focus and that is distracting. And that like tug of war for me has always been so challenging. So I really appreciate you sharing that and what a joy to gift this guy music. I mean, I guess you can always buy another guitar. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's when I talk about this thing about like, you know, you're never going to hike the Appalachian Trail. You know? you know, you can just figure out yourself. It doesn't mean never, ever, ever. But if you just first come to peace with that quote unquote worst case scenario that you're never going to do it, if you can make your peace with that, then you're just liberated and free. And yeah, if the day comes when you have a values realignment or whatever, and a couple of your other goals are done. You feel like, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to go hike that entire trail now, or now I'm ready to learn Mandarin or whatever it may be. Then yeah, of course you can do it again someday. But first you just have to be okay with the idea that you'll never do it. This is so helpful because I'm one of those people who just wants to do everything. Like I want to be a podcaster and a journalist and I want to be a surfer and all these things and doing them all at once has never been very easy <laughs> internally. Yeah. Some people I think have that personality type. Some people are like massive multitaskers where they really like switching tasks every two hours and doing, you know, some of each of six different aspects of their life every day. But you know, I tend to just do get really into one thing at a time. So you have to go with your personality type too, I guess. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk to Derek Sivers about being a dad and what brings him vitamin joy. With the current times, it's always nice to find products and companies that are helping protect us while also giving back. Cleanliness has, of course, become a major part of protecting our health during this moment. That's why I'm excited my friends at Active have created the Active Antimicrobial Hand and Face Spray. 
It's a non-toxic multifunctional spray that packs a one-two punch. It keeps your skin free of harmful microorganisms and supports its natural healing mechanisms against sunburns, bites, cuts, and more. With no harsh chemicals like alcohol or bleach, this clinically proven solution is gentle on your skin and safe to spray on all areas of your body, including your face. You can go to buildingactive.com, that's B-L-D-G, active.com to buy it. And if you enter code JOY25, that's J-O-Y-25, you'll get 25% off. Hey friends, one thing that's giving me a lot of joy right now is boxing. And I'm not talking about the kind of boxing where you get hit in the face, but Box Union, one of the hottest fitness boutique studios in Los Angeles, is now offering on-demand and live classes anywhere you can access an internet connection. The studio is co-founded by my older sister, so I am a little biased, but it's been featured in every publication from Well and Good to Mind Body, and they have brand new content that drops every single week. There's multiple beat-based workouts spanning boxing to cardio, and there's even 10-minute add-ons if you're crunched for time, which I often am, so you can just do a quick hit workout or focus on parts like your legs, your core, or my favorite part, the booty. Go to digital.boxunion.com and try their 14-day free trial while supplies last. If you enter the code VITAMINJOY, it'll get it to you for just 20 bucks a month after that. So go to digital.boxunion.com, enter code VITAMINJOY, that's one word, VITAMINJOY, for just 20 bucks a month. So one of the things that you are also is a dad which is huge. And congratulations. I feel like being a parent is like one of the raddest jobs in the world. What do you do with your son that brings you both lots of joy? And how old is he? He's eight. Oh, wow. Great age. The thing we do is whatever he wants. (laughs) So I think there's this idea that we need to mold and train children. But isn't that how they make those little stunted bonsai trees? You know, so... He's just free to follow whatever fascinates him, and I'm just his helpful companion. So he bounces out of bed in the morning, like literally within a minute of waking up. He goes like, let's go make something. And, you know, he's off to, uh, we have this table in, we, there's a room in the house we call the making room, and it's filled with three making tables, which are filled with things that he makes. So as soon as he wakes up, he goes straight to the making tables, and he starts making things, and he... uh delegates some of the tasks to me. He says, okay, you build the Lego walls. I'm going to build the Lego characters or whatever it may be. And then he'll make up games and adventures and he'll tell me how to play my part. And yes, we also do homework and practice math and spelling. And I turn him on to things that he'd otherwise be unaware of. But yeah, mostly it's him leading the way. And I love that. I love that. I just love how kids can take us to different worlds as well. They're just so imaginative and free. And oh, I have I have some nephews and nieces right now. We, we play lots of make-believe and making. And I just think it's really cool that you have making tables. That's it's very yes. clever. Love yes. it. Where do you mostly get your vitamin joy today? Mm, the tranquility of silence, nature, typing, and tea. (laughs) Um, I'm answering this way because just a few days ago, I woke up and I asked myself why I'm so happy. 
I think it was one of those mornings where it was like warm in the bed, but cold outside. So I just wanted oh. to stay in the bed a few more minutes. And I just thought, I'm really, really happy. Why am I so happy? Like, shouldn't I be wanting more out of life? Like, shouldn't I be wishing to be somewhere else right now? Shouldn't I be aspiring to something? But then I remembered that joy is our default state when nothing is wrong. And I thought, well, why is nothing wrong? And I just kind of thought about it for a minute. And I realized I was really thankful for having a place to live and climate control and silence. Because, well, I, I came to that list through a reverse order. I thought, well, what would be the biggest obstacles to my happiness right now? And so I imagined, yeah, if I was living right above uh, a noisy venue <laughs> full of you know, drunk people shouting into the night and I was living upstairs. That would be an objective obstacle to my happiness. That would be hard. If I was living somewhere really noisy, right? If I was living somewhere freezing cold or burning hot and I had no climate control, that would be an obstacle to my happiness. And yeah, I just found that like, well, you know, as long as we have silence and a comfortable temperature and like an okay house that's not collapsing I don't know then that just leads you to this state where you're able to focus on the higher rungs of human development and I just thought that yeah the default state is happy when you don't have obstacles so yeah and I love my tea <laughs> what kind of tea are you drinking these oh, days good question <laughs> I have so I have uh, I found a an Australian tea company that is surprisingly good. They're called T2, just the letter mm. T and the number two. And if anybody listening to this likes tea, go find T2 tea. And man, they're so good. They've got this loose leaf tea and I've got like a nice uh, loose leaf uh, tea sieve, whatever you call it. And um, I used to live in Singapore for two and a half years and they have a kind of tea called Singapore tea. So when I saw it in the shop, I thought, yeah, right. I'm dubious. Singapore tea, come on. But they had a little smelling box. So I lifted off the lid and it's like, oh my God, they did it. That is the smell of the Singapore tea shops. How did they do that? So I bought a box and later I looked at the ingredient. It's Genmai Cha toasted brown rice tea mixed with a little black tea and a little coconut and a something else kind of oil. But oh my God, when you put these things all together... And maybe even drop in a little honey and milk. Oh, man, I just can't get enough of this tea. I'm on like my 12th box of it in four months. Uh, yeah, Singapore tea by T2 is the best thing I've tried in years. Oh, that sounds so good. I love Genmacha and I love coconut tea. <laughs> it sounds delicious. It's amazing. You should. They, they have it in America. You can mail order it. It's so good. Okay, so tea. You are just a really thoughtful human, Derek. Is there... Like, are there certain books you've read? Have you done like silent meditation treats, like, retreats? Like, I, I'm kind of wondering like how you are the way you are because you're a very unique human. <laughs> um, I spend a lot of time reflecting. Um, I used to think that reading more books would make me smarter. But after many years, I looked back and realized that I think that all of my insights into life that have been the most useful have not come from the process of 
gathering more information, but more from the time I spend later reflecting on what I've learned. So realizing that I'm actually reading less and reflecting more now. Um, yeah, thinking more than ever about th those things like I just described the other day, waking up first thing in the morning and asking myself, why am I happy? <laughs> and, and getting to the bottom of that answer, you know, like even if it takes you two or three hours of writing, like putting aside time to ask yourself, like what has made me happiest in the past? And look at your past actions. Again, like ignore your words just look at your actions. Like what viscerally made you the happiest in the past? Is there a common thread in there? Um, I also play through hypothetical futures instead of thinking I need to act them all out. I'll actually just imagine them vividly in my head. Like the other day I was really wishing for a hot tub and I don't have access to one. So instead I just kind of, I mean, I don't know. It wasn't actually lucid dreaming, but it was kind of like just vividly imagining myself in a hot tub and vividly feeling the joy of that. And after doing that for a while, I realized like, yeah, I don't need a hot tub. I can just imagine it. So yeah, I think I just spend a lot of time imagining and a lot of time reflecting. I wonder if I could imagine getting a full body massage because that just sounds really <laughs> nice exactly right now. I was, I was shortening it for the sake of the interview, but yeah, it was actually, it, it was not just a hot tub, but I was also imagining getting a massage. I was like, Huh. Okay, this is almost as good. Not not entirely, but almost. <laughs> almost. <laughs> well, one of the other things you've done is you've traveled and lived in all of these places. And that's had to add such a unique perspective to your life. I mean, travel travel changes us in ways you learn experientially, which is a beautiful thing. I mean, do you think that that's also added to your ability to reflect and because you've had so many beautiful experiences in so many different places? I think it's it's the challenges that make you hmm. um, question your values and question who you are, right? So it's only when they say you don't really know somebody until you've seen them lose their luggage. <laughs> so I think uh, figuratively, metaphorically losing my luggage in different places has helped me uh, reevaluate what's important to me and who I am and what I really need in life and all the things I don't. I think that's pretty timely because a lot of people have metaphorically lost their luggage <laughs> through this whole COVID thing right now. You know, right. Adv advice to other people on how they can cultivate their own vitamin joy, even through the messy. I don't have any advice. Um, you know, I come across as someone who's got it all figured out. But here's the catch. I only have myself figured out. I really have no idea what anyone else should be doing. There's, if we think we know what others should be doing, there's a weird kind of dumb assumption in there that we know who this other person is. When the truth is we're way more nuanced than than that. And I can't really prescribe anything to anyone. So sorry, no advice. That's okay. It's been a joy to talk to you. Derek, what is, <laughs> what's the next book? Oh, the next book is called How to Live. I'm not here to promote it. I'm still writing it. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I am so excited about this book. It is so fun to write. Uh, and 
yeah, in the meantime, if anybody, just go to my website, you go to sivers.org and email me and say hello, and I will keep in touch and tell you when the book is ready, but I'm still writing it. Is there anything you can tell us about it? I mean, is there anything like what we talked about in, in there or? Yeah. Um, in short, it's 27 deliberately one-sided arguments, one per chapter, each one completely disagreeing with all the other chapters. Uh, so it's answering the question of how to live in 27 different ways. Um, it's really an homage to an amazing book called Sum, spelled S-U-M, by David Eagleman, which I think the subtitle is like 40 Tales from the Afterlives. And it's the massively creative little piece where he answers the question, what happens when you die? But he answers it in 40 different ways. So each chapter is like, when you die, blah, 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 this happens. And it's a little two or three page short story. But then the next chapter says, when you die, da, 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 that happens. And of course, it completely disagrees with all the other chapters. So it's, I love that format of answering the same question 40 different times with 40 different answers, as if none of the other answers exist, you know, like as if you're 40 different people of 40 different opinions. So I read that book. I loved that book. I read it again. I loved it again. And one day I went, oh. I want to write a book called How to Live in that same format where I answer the question how you should live Oof. in 27 different ways. That sounds so cool. I cannot wait to get that. Well, Derek, it has been such a pleasure to chat with you. You too, Shelby. Thanks. You're, you're a gem of a human. If there's anything I can ever do for you, let me know. And we'll tell everyone to check out DerekSivers.org. And we can't wait to get your next book. Thank you so much to Derek Sivers. I'm so excited for your book to come out. You can find more about Derek and sign up for his beautifully written minimalistic newsletter at dereksivers.org. For this episode, I tried Derek's tactics to increase my own vitamin joy. But during quarantine, instead of taking on less things, especially jobs, I took on more. So in that sense, I totally failed this experiment. But I started to notice how it made me feel to stack things on top of each other, and it didn't make me feel good. I got cranky, I got frustrated, I got a little overwhelmed. So then I just started to pay more attention to my hobbies. So I tried to, f I have a lot of hobbies, by the way. So instead of focusing on all the hobbies, I just focused on one a day in addition to my jobs. So whether it was just being able to go for a run or do yoga or go for a surf or even a skateboard and yeah, I'm 40 and I still ride a skateboard. Well, I was happy if I could do one of them. And if I did none of them, I gave myself a break because I got my work done and it was quarantine and we're in the middle of a pandemic, so it's okay. I also created a form letter to handle a lot of commonly asked questions and pitches I get. And it felt really good and freeing to not only be kind to the people who are responding to me and being able to respond to them, but it felt like a kind thing to do for myself. I also created my podcast class to help all the people who've been calling me for help on podcasting. It just allows me to reach more people at one time. That felt really good. I used to say that life is short and it is, but there's also a long game and that's okay. There's going to be time to do a lot of things in life. I hope you enjoyed this show. Please subscribe to it wherever you're listening. 
If you can take two minutes, please write a review and sign up for the newsletter at shelbystanger.com. That's what allows this podcast to be seen and heard by more people like you. This podcast is produced by Starburn Audio and Jason Smith with editing by the talented Mackenzie Mizell. The sponsors of this episode are Box Union, where you can enter code VITAMINJOY for a discount, and also Active Skin Repair, where code JOY25 gets you 25%. Wherever you are in the world, I hope you add some more vitamin joy to your day. Please stay tuned for new shows coming up on Grieving Better, Giving Up Caffeine, and how to add more laughter to your life.